good news, everyone. Exterminate. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Saturday night. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the August 7th, 2010 edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. In Area 51, next to the Sweet Treat Concession, next to the commissary run by Betty and Barney Hill, waiting for by Denobian Grapefied Slurry, I am the Dome. Joining tonight's talk cast from the Alton Brighton Hellmouth, fighting the good fight outside of Boston, welcome our own personal El Cabong of the soundboard, Kriana. Yo. No? Yo. Okay. <laughs> Don't look at that. That's what she said. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, tonight, the only person I ever know who owns the entire Richie Rich comic collection, including all of the annuals, Illustrator X. Mm-hmm. You, ever, you ever watch any Gladiator movies, Billy? <laughs> and the formerly living woman who once watched every single episode of Dark Shadows with her own collection of Zachary dolls, the dead redhead. Good evening, everyone. From Outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, our caffeine-addicted crop circle investigator and the person who scares young children who play RPG games in dimly lit comic stores, Awake by Java. Hello, everyone. Well, I feel like it is an interesting... laugh after that. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're ready for that. Tonight's guest, if we can ever get hold of him, will be editor Jeff Burke of BizarroFiction.com. Uh, which we've been having a lot of fun reading. And, uh, Jeff, if you're listening or out there, we have been trying to call you, and we'll continue to try and call you. And in case we don't get in touch with you, we'll plug your stuff anyway. What the hell? (laughs) So, ladies and germs, it has been an incredibly interesting week. Uh, Yes. Indeed. But you know what? Let's. I. You know. I know. I know exactly what you're going to do. Don't. (laughs) Is he going to talk about Smallville again? Really? No. 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 He's going to talk about this coming week because one of our longtime listeners is having a birthday (gasps) this coming Thursday. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I was not cloned. I was not a program. I actually have a mom, and it's her birthday this coming Thursday. So happy birthday, mom. Oh, happy birthday, Illustrator happy birthday. X's mommy. Happy awesome. birthday, Mrs. X. She's also is today. <laughs> She's also queen of the chocolate chip cookies, guys. Oh, yes, yeah, she is, actually. Oh. She should send some of those to Sci-Fi Saturday Night Headquarters, which is currently my office. Uh, no, that's currently <laughs> my office, uh-uh. let me tell you. Locate to the phone. Comics. And oh, my God. Um. Java, if anything will pull you into this time zone, these cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. The bat there have literally waiting. been fights broken out at our house over these cookies. Fist <laughs> <laughs> fights, mind you. But anyways, happy birthday, Mom. Hey, you know, last week uh, we talked about Sarah Richard and the new uh, drawing that she'd done uh, for uh, Mystery Science Theater. And yes. uh, we had mentioned that... Uh, Mike Nelson had had seen it and commented about it. Yes. 
And what was the upshoot of that there, uh, Mr. X there? Uh, I believe he thought it was great. He was amazingly impressed that uh, Sarah Richards was friends with the Sci-Fi Saturday Night staff and said he'd do everything in his power to make sure she becomes the superstar she deserves to be. Ooh, isn't life grand? Life is <laughs> yeah, as if she doesn't do that enough on her own. Yeah, really. The poor, untalented girl. If she only had a little <laughs> bit of talent. No friends whatsoever. Yeah, Sarah, we love you to death, honey, and wish nothing but the best for you. Yeah. Oh, what but, else is going on? But, yes, but Mike Nelson is currently doing um, his new project is Riff Tracks which is basically Mystery Science Theater uh, without so many robots. Uh, and Rift Tracks actually does this in theaters. They'll do like a live broadcast in theaters coast to coast. And this coming Thursday night at a theater near you, they will be doing a live version of Reefer Madness. <laughs> so everybody go to rifftracks.com, R-I-F-F-T-R-A-X.com, so you can check out, see where this is going to be near you, and check it out, and support Mike Nelson, who's one of the best uh, comedy writers in the business. And I heard and there might be some celebrity attendees. Well, there might be at the one in Boston, so That's I right. right. Wink, That's wink, right. nudge, nudge, Kriana, Kriana. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, X-Men News of the Week, X-Men First Class, uh, which is the next one in the series, uh, reported, now being directed by Matthew Vaughn, who directed uh -huh. Kick-Ass. Now, after... Oh, he did Stardust? Oh, yes, and Stardust, you're very right. Oh, oh then it might job on Stardust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Then it might I thought you liked Kick-Ass there, X. Oh, I did, I did, it's just... I... After the last X Men move, last two X Men movies, X Three and the Wolverine one, I don't trust the title First Class. Well, he yeah, liked it. he just didn't like it. Like it. He didn't. We yeah, he didn't like like it. Gotcha. It's it's yeah. Gotcha. It's the Roman oh, no, Polanski version of like. I, <laughs> I certainly stand alone there. It's not like both of those just got waves of critical acclaim. <sighs> In any case, Matthew Vaughn. <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Vaughn has been going crazy uh, with his casting and has just cast Kevin Bacon as uh, an unnamed villain. They won't talk about who he's going to play, but they also cast Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique. Hey, do you guys know that we are all technically one step away from Kevin Bacon? Pretty much at this point. I don't know why is that? Why? Zombrarian saw him in a grocery store once. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I think he lives in Connecticut. I didn't know this. Mostly because I didn't care, but, you know, some people care. All right, let's get the lowdown on the bacon grocery report. What was he buying? Oh, I have no idea. You have to ask Zombrarian. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but eggs. Canadian? Pork product. <laughs> I actually have some website news. Oh, yes. okay. Go for it. Um, if, if you're listening to this podcast from the little player on our website, and you'd always wished that you could download the podcasts, your wishes have been granted. There's oh, now a little link underneath every single player 
that will let you download the podcast for your later archival or listening pleasure. Woo! Freaking who? I know. I'm just so awesome. How do you even stand That it? is. And humble. How do you even stand it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's why let me, you're Let me just uh, shoot back to X-Men First Class for a second. Sure. Because... Uh, just one second. Time's up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the cast is starting to look really good. James McAvoy as Professor X. Michael Fassbinder as, as Magne- Magneto. Nicholas Holt as the Beast. And Alice Eve as Emma Frost. Who's Alice Eve? Uh... Shoot her up on Internet Movie Database, and you will be amazed at uh, what a gorgeous hunk of femininity this young lady is. Mm. Now, is she going to go all rhinestone like in the Wolverine movie? God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Not rhinestone diamond. Uh, See, I swear she's actually the disco ball in Warehouse 13. She could be. She absolutely could be. Speaking of Warehouse 13... How adorable oh! was the crossover? Oh my god, yes. I thought that this was possibly one of the cutest episodes ever. Okay, first of all, the guy who played Odo was on. Yes, yes. yes he, he was fabulous. Yes, he was. He's a fabulous actor, and he just proved it again. Being these two halves of one brain. And it was just hilarious. No one was annoying. I love how Artie started beating him at Battleship by flagrantly cheating. <laughs> that yeah. was an incredibly funny, funny... I love uh, it when they go, you sunk my Battleship. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> that was yeah, the and you know, show this season. You know, the, I've, I've never watched Eureka, but after seeing that episode, I had to go, I had to go find it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it was really well handled. The the episode was not just some kind of flagrant you know cross production uh, crossover. It was it was actually a really good episode in the warehouse universe. And apparently, according to uh, uh, the article that I read, um, Claudia was also on Eureka. Yes, yes. Oh yes, but I didn't see that one yet. That was actually very funny as well. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah, all thing, all things considered, uh, that uh, that block is doing very, very well, very well. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love River Song. Sci-Fi Network. Here's the here's the deal. You don't make more Sharktopus movies, although we don't mind. You so make more things that tie into Warehouse Thirteen. <laughs> We love it. Or just good, fun sci-fi television. Exactly. That would be good. Yeah, and try not to rip off Amber Benson while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is that thing getting uglier by the minute or what? That yeah. whole situation is just not pretty. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, sci-fi looks like it's uh, you know, doing pretty well. Uh, and not only that, but they've just la- cast uh, Noah Reed to do um, a pilot for them called Three Inches. I'm yes. not going to make it now, what that refers I to because beg I just your don't pardon? think it's necessary. This is the most <laughs> ridiculous premise on the face of the universe. Go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 
And what is that premise? The premise is that Reed uh, gets somehow gets a seemingly worthless superpower, um, and what his power is is that he has telekinesis, but he can only move something three inches. <laughs> Woo! Again, I'm not going to make a comment about that because I don't think it's even necessary. <laughs> oh my god so he'll, he should have been in mystery men oh, the guy who could be invisible only when no one's looking well that's actually part of it uh, he, he's going to team up with other superheroes with not very awesome powers well then that could be fun I mean you know that goes all the way back to the 60s with DC's uh, Inferior 5 comic where you had, you know... Oh, my Loser. God, yes! <laughs> Forgotten yeah. about that! <laughs> oh, my God. Joan, how could you forget Dumb Bunny? <laughs> oh, 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 just painfully you know. funny. Actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. There is a supervillain who has similar powers. There was a Spider-Man comic a few years ago that Kevin Smith wrote where he created a villain called Mr. Brownstone. And Mr. Brownstone's power was he can move small, um, like one ounce of liquid. He can teleport it. <laughs> so, but Again, it was cool. I'm not going to make a comment because it's just <laughs> too easy. But it was interesting because he's like, what he'll do is he'll take like a, a mixture of mainline smack and he was hiring himself out to Hollywood stars who didn't want to show up on the set with track lines. And if a superhero came near him, he just... Bang, you now have a heart filled with heroin. Or he'll just take the, the blood right out of your heart. I'm like, okay, well, that is kind of interesting. So maybe these, maybe these will be f a fascinating three inches indeed. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God, we've done nothing, and we've got the filthiest episode we've ever done. <laughs> I blame Illustrator X. Of the books from our uh, Bizarro book guys, <laughs> if we ever get them. Yeah. Should, should we try him again? Please, oh, please. Oh, what the hell? Go for it. All right, all right. I'm going to try to call him again. Gonna... Everyone think Jeff-like thoughts. Jeff-like Jeff thoughts. Jeff-like thoughts. Okay. Yes. Jeff? We're choosy mothers. We choose Jeff. Well, that's who I'm calling, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. yes. Oh, good. And remember, if we get the answering machine, cut it off before we get to the. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Okay. Come on, Jeff. Andrew, if you're out there listening to us, vote for Jeff. Come on. You're not thinking hard enough. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Do I know what state he's in? Do I know what state he's in? Uh, Denial, evidently. Yeah. No, I just wonder. <laughs> I'm not on a stressed Eastern time. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean. Oh, yeah, you did. But, I'll tell you what, though. Sci-fi, that, that show is, uh, is probably not the most interesting of the pilots that sci-fi is producing right now. Get out. What is? <laughs> well, they're producing uh, one called Alphas, which is actually a show that's been kicked around. Um, it, was, uh, it was on ABC, I think, 2007. The idea is that, uh, again, super-powered people um, who have mind powers, but they are crippled. Uh, 
in a in a very significant way because of it. Um, and so, you know, the, there's all kinds of different powers involved, but I think it's really interesting that sci-fi is is stepping out into the, uh, the this genre of superpower um, fiction because you know sometimes I think that that's something that's really hard to do with a small budget like sci-fi usually brings to the table. You know what I miss? Who wants to be a superhero? Yes. Oh, God, oh are you serious? You actually except, missed that? Except that was an awesome show. Never won. Yeah, two seasons in a row, they voted for the wrong person. That's right. But uh, you know, I think the reason we're getting all these superhero films and TV shows now is because we finally have the effects for it. And yes, it's very difficult to do these effects on a low budget. I mean, if anyone's seen Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, you'd know that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now, now, you know, we still love we, you, Roger. We are at the point where even the Sci-Fi Network, uh, I mean, uh, the Sci-Fi Network, not even, of course, uh, can do uh, superhero shows. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, if they can do the cheesy sharktopus effects, they can do the superhero effects, and it's certainly easier than spending the money on a good script. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember, remember back in the '70s where a Spider-Man show, like Spider-Man: The Deadly Dust, and you could see the crane pulling him up the side of the building, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I was seven years old, going, "Okay, this." Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. I know. A brain in a jar? <laughs> no, no, that's oh, so oh, sorry. Different conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, you know. What we what we keep missing is the balance between good effects, good acting, and a good script. We it's so rare that we find that, and in sci-fi, it's so necessary. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I think that's one of the strengths of sci-fi is that we have very good writing. I mean, I think you can argue that the effects on the effects of the original Star Trek series were not the best. But it made up for it by having Correct. an amazing crew of writers and, you know, a oh, cast. Oh, such as our good friend Harlan Ellison? Yeah. And, uh, right. Well, but oh, here's the yeah. thing, though. I think that people are starting to think, oh, we have the effects, now we don't need such good writers. And that's mm -hmm. really wrong. You need them more than ever. But I think you're absolutely right. And, and it's the incredible stupidity and hubris of the uh, networks that does that. But then you have you do have shows that do blend all three. I I mean, Doctor Who right now in the last few years has been incredible. Good writing, good acting, good effects. Well, that's Doctor Who. I mean, that's on. right. Oh, by the way, um, and that is the standard to which we hold all other science fiction. No, 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 no. The standard's much higher than that, my friends. Much higher than that. Oh. Sorry. Hate to burst your little bubble, but it's much higher than that. Take a moment. If you, watch. If you say Alf, I will drive over to your house and punch you. <laughs> you cannot get into Area Fifty One. Nice try. Yeah, you but don't have the proper clearance there. Remember, remember, I'm from the planet Melmac. That's its name and what it was made of. Melmac. That was the name of my planet. It's also what it was made out of. There you go. I stand. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Nothing. Just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Anyways. Hey, look. Uh, yes. 
Now, you get a show like Torchwood, which is yeah. supposedly coming back next year. Yes. Had terrific actors, so they killed them all off. Nice move there. Yeah. Very <laughs> slick. Right. Had terrific writers. They dumped them all. Excellent. Good move. All right. What they have done is they put together a writing team, Jane Esperson and John Scheiben, to write Torchwood. So it's Russell T. Davies who's going to run the show. Jameson and John Scheiben are writing it now. Who are well, these people? Let's just hope that it's it can go back to the same level of quality it was before. You know, there was just a, something. There was just something on the web this week from James Marsters being interviewed, and they're asking him about the new Torchwood, and he says, "I have not gotten the call." He also said if he doesn't get it, he's going to walk over to Russell T. Davies and punch him until he does. Uh, tickle him. No, he's going to tickle, tickle him. him. That's right. Tickle him. <laughs> so, uh, yes. We'll, uh, we'll have to get our spike fix on Smallville this season. Oh, oh shut. That's so not happening. Or how about um, Caprica? He'll be on Caprica, won't he? That's right. He'll be back on Caprica. Is Caprica definitely coming back? It is Absolutely. coming back. Excellent. But he's going to get back on on a Torchwood because Espenson was the writer for Buffy. Right. They knew each other for years. Right. She also wrote for Battlestar Galactica and Game of Thrones on HBO. And she was a showrunner for Caprica. So, Jane, if you're listening... You realize there's only one thing left in your career to do, and that's to come on an appearance up. on sure. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we will clear the schedule for you. Well, I don't know if we'll clear it, but we'll certainly make room for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also slated to write episodes for uh, Torchwood is Doris Egan, who wrote True Calling and Dark Angel. Oh, and John Fay, who Why? also... Oh, be quiet. True Calling was actually kind of wow. cool. No, it I wasn't. Did. It was horrible. Oh, um, 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 this is the person who didn't know who? Kriana, when you disparage something, I can see the icicles coming off of your word balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched True Calling. I enjoyed looking at Eliza Dushkinu's ass. And uh, I'm sorry, yeah. looking at who's that? Liza Dushku's ass? Yeah. You have my you have my undivided attention. What? Well, exactly. That's the only reason True Calling had my undivided attention. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kids, kids, kids. Oh my. I mean, it, yeah, it just it just wasn't good. Uh, and yet, uh, you watch. Vest- I have I, is the that right? entire series on DVD. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't watch it. I'm just saying it wasn't good. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, what else do we have in the news this week? In the news this week. News. I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. Green Lantern. I bet you were. I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about Eliza Dushku. What can I say? Eliza, you know you're number, number one. Eliza Dushku, heart. we will clear our schedule for your fabulous ass. We will. Totally we will make true. room in our schedule for you and Amber to come on together. <laughs> my, my. It looks as if filming for Green Lantern 2 is beginning even before 1 is finished, which I think is kind of a uh, ooh, an incredible risk. Uh, are you saying it didn't work for Back to the Future? 
<laughs> oh no, what I am saying is it's an incredible risk for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs> <laughs> well now, what's Green Lantern 2 going to be about? Have they released any details? They've released absolutely nothing. But they've said, all they've said is this. Summer or Christmas 2012 release for Green Lantern 2, depending on where the Flash movie fits in. Oh, Excuse me, the Flash movie? Nice. And which, uh, it's got to be Barry Allen. Probably. Yeah. It would, it would have to be Barry Allen unless they went classic on it with the guy with the funny hat. That would or be the, Jay Garrick. Or they're going for the kids and they decide to do Impulse, which we have a listener who would love that. But. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure we do, and I know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> In Persith, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. You know what? We were just watching um, Shatner's latest show, about, which is not about science fiction. Aftermath. Aftermath. And he was talking to Bernie Getz, of all people. Oh, and good Lord. <laughs> they're like, and... They're listing the people that were involved in the attack on Bernie Getz, and the first person who's listed is Barry Allen. And I was like, no. He wouldn't. He could have dodged the bullet. Barry Allen? Are you shitting me? Name one of the assailants of Bernie Getz. And I was like, shame, shame, shame. Oh, I've just received word that not only is Green Lantern and The Flash coming... But uh, they're setting up for a Justice League movie to compete head-to-head with the Avengers movie. Well, they've been saying that for years. Yeah, uh, and I'll now... I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, me too. I know, but, you, you know, know... That means I, they have to decide for somebody to be Wonder Woman. You know, they've been promising the second coming and the 90-watt light bulb, too, and I haven't seen either one. <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. <laughs> We're getting into so much trouble tonight, and we don't even have a freaking guest. I know. What happened to oh. our guest? Okay. I, I could just read huh? the titles of some of our guests' books, and that would get us in enough trouble. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would. Because once you start reading the titles, we have to put the NC-17 tag on or the explicit <laughs> tag for iTunes. Oh, oh that's right. Fun. With all of our legions of fans bringing their young children to the... <laughs> Come, children. Gather around the monitor. It's sci-fi Saturday night time. Well, at least here you'll be treated with dignity. Now, get it down the Or not. Or not, as the case may be. Yes. Nice. Oh, good Lord. Well, you know, I mean, as far as filming Green Lantern 2, though, I mean, that's something that Peter Jackson said that when uh, he was doing the Lord of the Rings. He, he said, look, I, I saw what happened with the original Star Wars trilogy where... After the first Star Wars, everyone renegotiated at a higher rate, and then they renegotiated again for Jedi. And so right from the beginning, he says, if you're in for The Lord of the Rings, you're doing a three-movie deal, or it's off. So I'm assuming that's the case now with a lot of these. Yeah, uh, I, unfortunately, you're probably right with that. I don't know if that's unfortunate, though. Well, I mean... Think about it. I mean, it could work with Green Lantern. I mean, because this way you have continuity. It's, you've got the same actors, the same director, hopefully, you know, for all three. Um, I mean, look at it this way. Let's say you're an actor and they come to you and say, okay, we're going to do Poe. You're going to do the Telltale Heart. You're going to do the Black Cat. And you're going to do the Raven. 
Yeah, but if you do the first one and it does real well and you're the director and the producer and you're signed up to do two more movies, yeah. you hand out some bonuses for the second one and when that one grosses really well, you hand out more bonuses for the third. No, I agree with the bonus piece. Yeah, I'm, and I'm because sure that's, that's what Peter yeah. Jackson did with the uh, with uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He yeah. did have everyone locked in, but he was certainly right. you know handing out the uh, piles of cash. I know. I I just know somewhere right now, Michael J. Fox is shaking his fist, going, "Man, Frighteners two and three, man, it's a natural." <laughs> <laughs> you know and. Whenever there have been series like this, there have been, you know, smart directors who have done it that way and, you know, not quite so smart directors who haven't. Lucas was another one who, uh, after uh, episode four, when he went to begin filming of Empire Strikes Back, same right. deal. Took care of him well. Yep. Took care of him well. Do you realize this is the first time since Phantom Menace came out that I've heard anyone refer to George Lucas as smart? Oh, please. <laughs> I just know. Uh, it's nice. What are you talking I, about, though? I remember days when people were, talked about the genius of George Lucas, as opposed to that Jar Jar loving bastard. Oh, exactly. And I mean, you know what? It's time to put that shit away and realize what the hell he's actually done. And he's yeah. done some incredible stuff. Yeah. You know, like many people, he just embarrassed himself in his old age. Hey, hey, hey! Oh, oh Hey! Wow. Wow. Okay. So. While we pulled the dagger out of my heart for that one, <laughs> oh. yes. I think it's time to roll up the old uh, uh, random number generator and see who won in uh, last week's contest. Oh, That's we had more than one? Yeah. We did, but sure? only one real one. <laughs> I think the other one may have mysteriously met its fate at the bottom of a river. Yes, I noticed that it was there before, and it's gone now. <laughs> it may be, but I'll turn on the random gen number generator to decide between, like, one. And one. I played it for her. You can play it for her. No whammies. Come on. Big money. Okay, and the winner for the response to TalkCast 45, This Avatar Isn't Blue, is Monster Dad. This <laughs> child was apparently extraordinarily cute. Evidently, and I think X can tell us about that. Yes, Monster Dad, if you're the one uh, that we saw in uh, at the Monster Fest showing in Keene a few weeks ago for Son of Godzilla, you're, my God, your kids were just adorable, putting their little Godzilla figures up on top of the seat so they could get a good look at the movie. Oh. <laughs> that was so adorable. You know, I'm we're very happy you won this week. And the little girl who kept going, ee, when she would hear the noises, it was That's really the one. Great. <laughs> She's the one. That's the girl. Don't don't can we send the kids some sci-fi Saturday night buttons? We can absolutely do that. On a to put on their dress? Are you kidding? A brain in a jar? <laughs> so monster dad. Go to our homepage, SciFiSaturdayNight.com, click on the email us link on the right there, and send us your address, and we will send you, what are we sending them again? And you know what I'm going to add to the to the but, uh, prize but, package this but week? Saturday night. 
I have a Star Wars Return of the Jedi Han Solo in trench coat uh, action figure. For the kids. For the kids. Mint in the box. Never let it be said that Sci-Fi Saturday Night does not love the children. We're all about the kids. Now, that was for episode 5.2, where Han Solo was trying to be the 10th Doctor, right? Absolutely, yes. (laughs) And he has a sonic screwdriver right in his hand. Oh, my God, could you imagine Harrison Ford playing the Doctor? Oh, that would be so good. Are you kidding me? It would be the deadpan Doctor. Are you kidding me? That would be the most awesomeness. I think he'd be really good. I agree. I still vote for Gene Wilder. Wow. Throw me the <laughs> screwdriver and I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> oh, how many times have I heard a woman say that? <laughs> I said that just yesterday. I recall. Which brings us to how you can win this week's special prize. We've been day. talking about uh, a uh, question that we found on io9. Yes. And the one who brought it to our attention was the dead redhead. Speak to me, darling. Of course, darling. And I thought this one was really cute. They had, uh, on io9, they had a question up about what's the best appearance of a fictional, of a uh, real-life science fiction author who shows up in a fictional work of art. So we just recently had the whole thing with H.G. Wells in Warehouse 13, although H.G. Wells has now turned a little bit more feminine than he used to be. Um, but hotter, also, that's for sure. <laughs> much hotter, <laughs> yes. But Wells has shown up in a few other, like he was in Time After Time and a few other things. He was in a Doctor Who episode. He wasn't in a Doctor Who <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's very true. So, so is it like just meta things? Because like... For instance, on Supernatural, they have the, like, Supernatural cons, where they're, they're a book in the series, but they're real people. Does no, no. In other no, words... No, no, this is like a real-life author, okay. famous like, author, who shows up in something else. Like, for example, H.P. H. Lovecraft is in the movie Cast a Deadly Spell, H.G. Wells is in Time After Time and Warehouse 13. Or Edward Poe and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Exactly. Mark Twain has been in a ton of stuff. Like the Riverworld series. He's been in the Riverworld series. He was in Star Trek Next Generation. Um, He was in The Sandman. That man was everywhere. So, uh, folks, what's your favorite appearance by a real-life author in a sci-fi fictional story? Hey, i got to tell you, uh, let's, let's talk about this article for a second. Because this article mentions perhaps one of the most obscure science fiction books ever written. Uh, by Michael Bishop. It's called yes. Philip K. Dick is Dead Alas. Ah, yes. The entire the entire title of it is Philip K. Dick is Dead Alas. Let's all get together and kick God's ass. <laughs> nice. And it is one of the most incredibly Philip Dick, not written by him, but could have been novels ever written. It is scary. It is dark. It is wonderful. I think it's, on the cover with Nixon on the cover makes it kind of scary, but Nixon in a crown, wearing a crown. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I personally, I like the little cameo of Harlan Ellison in the Batman: The Dark Knight Returns uh, series oh, by Miller. Yes. They just a little blurb of him, like 
They're like, what could possibly happen now the nuclear bomb's gone off? We're going to talk to Harlan Ellison. <laughs> and then they just come back after, and they say, and the, he comes back and he's saying, we'll be eating our own babies for breakfast. Thank you, Oh, Ms. you know what I really liked is when Richard Dawkins was on Doctor Who. There you go. There you go. Or Shakespeare. I love the Shakespeare. Oh, that was fabulous. I love that episode. So, to win this week's special prize, all you have to do is tell us who your favorite science fiction author is and what TV or movie or book he would have been incredibly cool to have been in. But if you leave another comment, we'll probably consider you anyway. Yes. <laughs> Don't kid yourselves. You yeah. know, one of my favorites right now, if anybody has read them, there's a, a whole series of books where Edgar Allan Poe is the star by a guy named Harold Schechter. And Harold Schechter is actually a um, crime writer. He looks up serial killers and he writes their stories and so forth. But he wrote these books based on Poe, and they are really amazing. The first one was very much okay, these things happen, and this is supposedly how Poe got his idea for some of his stories. But the more they go on, they are just amazingly well-written, and they're very fun. They're not really science fiction, though, are they? No, but they are horror. Well, up, up, they to, are horror. To the furnace. No, we can, we, can, we can let that one slide. But how about this one? How about this one? Just think about this one for a minute. I, I, my mind kind of slid to Spider-Robinson today because I've been rereading the Lady Callahan series on my brand new iPod iTouch. <laughs> and uh, Oh, who's a happy guy? Oh, he's an incredibly happy guy, <laughs> let me tell you. happy? Very happy. So I was thinking to myself, how cool would it be to have, oh, I don't know, Harlan Ellison in Lady Callahan? <laughs> oh, that is a disturbing thought that I really never needed. Thanks. No, no that would be awesome. Wow. Are you kidding me? Think about it. Good Lord. Because in the second Lady Callahan novel, there's, there's a story, one of the chapters about the little man who wasn't there. <laughs> and it could so have been Harlan Ellison. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Wasn't he already in, uh, isn't he the character of Jubal Hershaw in Stranger in a Strange Land? Uh, there, there is enough reference to that. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I don't know that he would admit it. Uh, I don't know that he would even like to like to admit it. <laughs> but uh, how dare yeah. you insinuate I'm I'm wealthy and get laid all the time, <laughs> <laughs> Harlan? You know that we love you. <laughs> I'm just and putting that out there right way. now before we get into any more trouble. <laughs> but I was Jeff just thinking also, that. Oh my God! Jeff he would also mentions this great story by. Um, I think it was by Esmov called Murder at the ABA. Have you ever read that, Joe? Yes, I have, actually. And it what was, was that about? Well, it was... It, uh, it, it was a story written about uh, the American Booksellers Association. It was written kind of oh. in one of his memoirs. Uh, and it was, you know, he just pulled in a number of people that he knew and put them all in and very vaguely fictionalized who they were. Gotcha. So it 
So it was kind of, what if we did a Columbo at the American Booksellers Association? So it would have been Darius Just, who essentially was Harlan Ellison. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I got a question for you here. Uh, I love these hot dogs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. So, you know, anybody, anybody else got any ideas where we could go with that? One last, one last thing. Um, yeah. This topic, you know, our guest who was supposed to be on tonight, and if you're still listening, please call in, Jeff. Oh, wait, let's try him again. Okay, we've got, we've got about 20, 18 minutes left, so 20, 20, 18, 20, 37 minutes. We can go a little late tonight. We could. You know, go to 12 o'clock, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> all for the days when we used to go three hours, huh? <laughs> We could have been at this until 10 o'clock. Well, at least your memory's sharp. <laughs> That's only two hours. 11 o'clock. Yeah, there you go. Oh, this is so not happening, is it? They were calling and forward. Yeah, Oh, well. Uh, well, anyways, um, our su- guest who was supposed to be on tonight wrote a novel called Shatner Quake. In which William Shatner is attacked by clones of every character he's ever played. I've got to read this book. I I must own this book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if only to see just how he handles white Apache. (laughs) (laughs) I own that film, Mr. Shatner. You cannot deny you made it. (laughs) And I want the $10 back. (laughs) Uh, I I I didn't pay for it, sir. This was the beauty uh, of Turner Classic Movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, William Uh, Shatner playing both, you know, two brothers. One is white. One is an Apache. Both look like Captain Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Both are vaguely overweight and speak with a stutter. Oh. You know, I want those two hours back. That's all I'm saying. You ain't getting them back, Buckaroo. That ain't happening. I know. But we will post BizarroCentral.com uh, on our website. And, you know, at some point, Jeff, we would do want to get you on, uh, whether you stiff us or not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we forgave Frankie. We'll, you know. Shit happens. We forgive. We're not we mad. Not much. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I went to his his MySpace page, and under the movies that he had listed, surprisingly, you know, you never know what you're going to find under something like that. I probably have seen or owned and or owned at least 90% of the movies that they talked about, and I actually appreciated 75% of that 90%. I mean, he had some really good directors on there. He had some really fun stuff. He even mentioned uh, Takashi Miike, who... There are not that many Takashi Miike fans out there. There are some of us. There are a few of us hardcore, but there are not many. He's a Japanese director who his gore factor is probably beyond anything anybody in this country ever does. Oh, I disagree. There's plenty of people <laughs> sick enough to like his stuff. <laughs> but he also, but he also can do comedy. He also can do suspense. Because yeah, he did but, something called audition, and audition was amazingly uh, we're, suspenseful. We're, no, 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 no. Oh, no. here we go. We're not 
No, this is a sci-fi show. We're not going to talk about a guy who likes to film dogs blowing up and stuff. We're no, going to no, talk about... No. So I see there's an unproduced Jim Henson screenplay that's going to be a graphic novel. Wow, there is sparks flying in the four-color vault of comics tonight, aren't there? There are. I still want to... <laughs> And, you know, of all the books that uh, Bizarro is putting out... I'm Brian really... Singer's moving back to the X-Men franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I primarily wanted to ask him about... There's a book out that they uh, published called The Baby Jesus Butt Plug. Oh, God. Oh, okay, it's rating. Thank you. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I thought we were going to get I, past it I, without I, having I, to go I, there. I just want to once again oh, say happy oh. birthday, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, when I was going to college and going to film school, thinking that one day... For God's sake, somebody pick the topic! I never thought we would get to the Baby Jesus butt plug. Uh, it's been around for a while. Oh, God. And, uh, if you Java, help me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, Good one, Java. We also have the Cannibals of Candyland. Tell me that right. doesn't sound. <laughs> the, the, I, I will say this: the, the Bizarro publish, uh, the stuff that Bizarro publishes is is hilarious. I yes. mean, it's <laughs> which we can't say on the air. <laughs> it's it's hard for for you know a person to to look at this and at all take it seriously. I agree. It's it's there. Actually, one of the things that um, jumped out at me right away when I was looking at the page today was um, this: the Cobalt Wizard's dildo of enlightenment. Plus, yeah. <laughs> I just I just have to read that. I mean, yeah. They make choose your own adventure games for adults. Come on, guys. It, it really that? is. It really is interesting. Um, the the first thing on their website right now is pickled apocalypse of Pancake Island and. You know, as a as a Piers Anthony fan, that just sounds great. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to get my hands on some of these books and, and take a look at it because there there's so much uh, speculative fiction out there that demands to be taken seriously, and uh, and so many people who do take it seriously, and Too this stuff just take it seriously. Th this stuff just looks like a, a, an absolute breath of fresh air so it doesn't look pretentious not at all no 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 i mean you, you can't really uh you know you can't take lost in cat brainland too seriously <laughs> <laughs> nor should you <laughs> and many many others that again we cannot even say on the on the webcast so <laughs> Yeah, you know, we don't have an FCC, and I'm really glad tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but but please, guys, go to their website and look their stuff over, or go to Amazon and just put in Bizarro Fiction, and you'll see some of these books that we are talking about. Yeah, you can definitely do that. <laughs> All right. please, now you can talk about Jim Henson if you want Illustrator X. Well, I would like to talk about that. <laughs> I would too, because this is a fascinating story. Yeah, agree. But um, I gotta say, it's nice to hear someone say something nice about Piers Anthony too, because 
for the longest time, I used to love reading his stuff, and then it was like almost a bad word. You just, oh, Piers, that's such a Piers Anthony novel. <laughs> you know? So thank you for saying that, because I do like his stuff, too. Absolutely. I'll try to get him on the show. I'll tell you, though, my parents were a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, you know, interested when I brought home the color of her panties. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, okay, you're going to elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to say. Uh, no, he's not going to elaborate. Everybody. <laughs> this is what okay. happens when we're left to our own devices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Well, um, again, but yeah, uh, there is a... Uh, Jim Henson, before he created uh, The Muppet Show and before he created Sesame Street, he wanted to be a filmmaker. He wanted to write movies, and uh, he actually did a film uh, back, in the, back in the 1960s about time. Which it's I've called seen. Time Pieces, and it's Time Pieces, film. thank you. You've, have you seen the whole thing? I've, I've got it. I own it. <gasps> I'm borrowing it. I've sure, only absolutely. seen clips, but I've... It's a short film. It's not a long film. It's not a full-length film at all. What I've you... seen blew me away. I was like, wow, this is what Dada is. Yep, you're absolutely it... right. Well, uh, apparently he had another screenplay that he never got around to filming called A Tale of Sand. Um, and A Tale of Sand... It, it was written by him and Jerry Jewell. Uh, who oh. was his longtime uh, collaborator? Right. Now we don't really know much about Tale of Sand itself, but you know what? I trust Jim Henson. I trust Jerry Jewell. And uh, if the only way we can get this story to life is through a graphic novel, then so be it. I'd like to see it come to life through the Jim Henson Studio. But since they're a puppet of uh, you know Walt Disney nowadays. Eh, uh, no pun intended. Da -dun -dun <laughs> now, you know who Jerry Jewell was, don't you? Criano will know. I have no clue. What are you talking about? Bean Bunny. <gasps> I love Bean Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Bean yeah. Bunny was like the best puppet ever. If, I, if they ever auction off Bean Bunny, I'm going to be at the forefront of the line with my life savings. Was was this the the rabbit in uh, Meet the Feebles? I mean, who no, was Bean Bunny? Bean Bunny was the bunny uh, was the lead character in a a film a TV show special that he did called Tale of the Bunny Picnic, which was one of the cutest goddamn things the Henson Company ever did. It was adorable. Oh, it was, was like Emmett Otter. It was yes. much yeah. It was in that same genre at the time. When they could produce a one-hour television show via ITV's works and not have anybody screw with it and do whatever they pleased and they didn't have to go, you know, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz and, and that other garbage that they do now. Where Gonzo was, uh, says nipple and I'm like, the fuck? Gonzo just said nipple. That's just not right. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's not what Gonzo would say. But have you actually seen the Muppets YouTube channel? Oh, my God. Did you see American Woman? Yes. <laughs> Sung by Sam the Eagle. Oh, it is It is to die for, the YouTube uh, channel for... Uh, I, I think it's Muppet Studios, if, if you're looking for it. Yeah. Can we find that and put, that on the, uh, put it on the podcast? Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we'll find it. Don't worry. Def can we... 
is it is it legal for us to link to that? Of course it is. Oh, do you know what I'd love to link to? Is that that Sam the Eagle one? We can embed it even. I'd love to do that. I would absolutely adore doing that. <laughs> Unless you can find Bean Bunny. <laughs> okay, here well, we go. I'm, I'm going to actually link to their channel. How about that? All right. Cool. And then you can, I uh, did I mean, find that. They did Bohemian Rhapsody, Beaker's Ballad. They did Stand By Me, which was deliciously creepy. You remember how creepy the Muppet Show used to be, and if you were little enough, you didn't realize it was creepy. Oh, oh if you were little enough, the Phantom of the Muppet Show used to scare the hell out of you. Well, how about the guy who used to go around blowing shit up? Oh, oh. yeah, um, the anarchist guy, whatever the hell his name was. I liked him. That would yeah. not fly uh, anymore. Let me no tell kidding. you. No kidding. Oh. Guy walked yeah. around with explosives, planting oh, him, yeah. and blowing shit up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But then the Muppet Show went to Oklahoma City, and eh, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I needed that one so badly. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. And now that we've cast a dour tone on the show. Hey, you know what I found this week? I can't find this anywhere. I'm just going to add it at the end. You know, you know what I found this week? I what? found perhaps the, the most bizarre-ass zombie movie ever. That's what she said. No, no. She watched it's, the Muppets classical chicken. An <laughs> attack of the vegan zombies. Okay. Is this kind of like Count Ducula? Um, no. Banicula? Banicula, <laughs> maybe, but. <laughs> oh, my God, Banicula. Oh. <laughs> I loved that damn book when I was little. They were the best. So did I. And that dog and cat were so worried about him. <laughs> okay, here's the synopsis of Attack of the Vegan Zombies. Dion Talbot and her husband, Joe Bryant, own and operate a vineyard. After yet another crop fail, Joe gives up on the dream to sell the vineyard. Dion solicits the help of her mother, a practicing witch who casts a spell on the farm. The following year, they have a bountiful harvest and hire a professor to help them pick the grapes. Professor Frank arrives with four college students. You ready? Here it comes. The four college students uh -huh. join him over a weekend picking grapes. They begin to notice phenomenal growth rates for the vines, and the professor ventures into the woods to investigate the water supply. Dun, 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 dun. Uh oh. Just one drop. Just one drop. That's all it takes. <laughs> Their house becomes a prison, unable to flee or call for help. They must stand and fight the vegan zombies the only way they can. And they don't really... I'm not going to talk about what it is, but... Uh, it's kind of bizarre, funny, weird, and... and uh, to stop the car on a dark road and get out of it. <laughs> and run yeah. and try not to trip. Isn't that how that one works? Oh, my God. And then restart the car and actually have it start. <laughs> Yeah. Run into the woods it. and get raped by a tree. Oh, wait, that's a different zombie movie. No, that's yeah, Sam Raimi. Hold yeah, on no, that's Sam Raimi. No, 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 no. I can just see Orson Welles in the film. They're like, Paul, help us. Ah, Paul Mason will go <laughs> fine before it's time. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> you know, but I've got I to tell you, I did see it, okay? I did yeah. sit and watch Attack of the Vegan Zombies, and I've got to tell you, it's funny. It's really funny. And it's it's a good zombie flick on top of everything else. 
Is it as good as black sheep, though? I stand by black sheep. May not be. May not be quite there. Oh, well, it's okay. not a, well, Black Sheep isn't a zombie movie. Well, no, but well, actually, yes, it is. If no, you it's 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 a it's a killer sheep movie. A mutant killer sheep with people killer who turn well, into sheep. All right, and we have to say this to differentiate it from all the other mutant killer sheep movies out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Black Sheep is such an amazing, fun, unexpected movie. I think somebody's getting shot in the house next to us. Oh, cool. Live police fireworks. <laughs> wow, fireworks going off next to the four color vault of comics. <laughs> they love us. They're all tuning in. <laughs> well, no, that's well you know, as the fireworks are going off in the background, yeah. it's yeah. time to look at the clock and figure out what time it is. What time is it? Wait a minute. Before we even do that, one last thing. Uh oh. Okay. Right now, no, I just, one last follow-up on vegan zombies. I think it's safe to say that zombies as a genre are as glutted as vampires. Agreed. You still think that this is, you know, it has something to offer people who are bored of zombie movies at this point? Yes, I do. Oh, I okay. Do. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. Excellent. Um, and on that note... Yeah. C sharp. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, then it looks like it's time for the coming up calendar. And thanks to everyone saying we'd love to be on the show, but they haven't exactly given us a date. We're going to be very hypothetical this week. And ambiguous. Next weekend, for sure, artist Jason Casey will be on to show off his sci fi style. And in the weeks ahead, Hunter Lagore will return for the release of The Last Man Anthology. Weird documentaries by the weird staff of WYRD Weird. Dirk Manning spins over 50 interconnected stories in the graphic novel Nightmare World. Things Get Harry with Scarewolf and the Gang at Saturday Fright Special. And Nick Mayer explains the technical details of immortality in the second half of our interview with the Life Not Project. Saturday night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit PopKip at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Zanoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Back to you, Bill. Hey, I want to thank everybody here on the cast and crew for uh, making tonight's podcast work. And it's a darn shame we didn't get hold of Jeff Burke tonight, but Jeff will book you for another time. From the Alston Brighton Hellmouth outside of Boston, sitting at her soundboard, the science fiction podcast sound queen, Priyana, thanks for all that you do. See you later, Peter. Great thanks to Illustrator X and the beautiful Dead Red Head. Good evening, darlings. Be continued as always. Outpost Gallifrey, our crop circle investigator. Thank you, Java. I'm signing out tonight. And this is the Dome saying, Genie, share pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Thank you, everyone.